Would you please turn to the book of Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 49. I, uh, I'm extremely aware that it's already hard enough to keep the attention of apostolics when you've got restaurants down the road. That as soon as you walk in this place, I smelled cumin, chili powder, and, and tacos. And I thought, man, I have to preach with the scent of tacos and burritos just blowing through this place. And, and uh, so I'm going to try to get you through it. And my goodness, you guys could have just went ahead and sang and had church. What an amazing thing, uh, amazing choir and, and singing. I know you hear that all the time, but I sincerely mean it. And I'm so very thankful. Wow, what an amazing. Uh, uh, you got the best drummer on the planet here, Jason Pratt. And, uh, I mean that. I really do mean that. Absolutely. Okay, I'm not missing anybody. Do all the preliminaries. Not that I have to. It's just something you, you do. But I, all, I sincerely meant every bit of it. Ser- sincerely meant it. But I, I want to encourage somebody. There are, are some times in our prayer life where you at times... You feel like God isn't hearing you. And the trouble with uh, feelings is, I call it uh, Monday versus Friday faith. And you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all that work and go to work in the factories and stuff, you know in the last 10 minutes of Friday, that, that's your faith soaring, you're excited because you're, you're going to go out to eat and have a good long two or three day weekend. You know the difference in Friday feel versus Sunday after church and you're facing Monday morning and you got to get up at 4 or 5? There's two different faiths. Here's, a, here's a, the problem. And I'm just really being simple right now. But when, when you go by feelings, that's, that's not reality. A lot of people will base their, fee, base their whole life and make decisions based on feelings and they get in trouble. Because they feel in, in uh, a certain way. And we see how much trouble Isaac got in trouble when he based whether he gave a long, long lifetime birthright to the wrong son. Because he said, you sound like one son, but you feel like the other. And he gave his birthright away to the wrong son because he felt different. And so tonight, let's push past the feeling. And if you, feel, if you feel defeated, that doesn't make it reality. And if you feel lonely, that doesn't mean it's the truth. Because feelings are deceptive. And I don't base my feeling on what I see, but I base my feelings on what I hear. Because the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing. And the last time I checked, this, this Bible here hasn't changed. So therefore, my faith shouldn't change. Amen. So we're going to push past feelings. Mark 10, 46 through 49. And they came to Jericho. Talking about Jesus and his disciples. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, and the son of Timaeus, sat by the wayside begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. 
he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Now, hear me. I don't know exactly who it was that tried to silence him. But I got a good idea that it was the disciples. Because the disciples thought that he was too important. He was, he was too important to stop for some lowly blind man that wasn't part of the twelve. So they tried to silence this man and keep him from getting to Jesus. Hear me. There are going to be voices in your life to keep you from crying out and praying. But they are not of God. It is not the will of God for you to be sick, depressed, beaten down. But the devil wants you to believe that if you just keep your silence, that Jesus' attention is more valuable somewhere else. All right, I'm going to hear you. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the great, the great more. Uh, and, thou, uh, and he said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. Say, Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. I want to talk to you just for a while on this simple thought. Stopping an unstoppable God. Stopping an unstoppable God. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Bless His name, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. If you analyze your surroundings, you'll find that there are many laws that govern the world in which we live today. Some of them are easily seen in our everyday life, such as civil laws or criminal laws that, for the most part, they make our world orderly and, and at least a somewhat sane place to live in. There are also law, natural laws of physics and science and mathematics that they're truly powerful and fascinating in their display of events. Most every day they are seen by all of us if you pay attention. But we really don't appreciate them until we have some way be, uh, become a... Uh, and and they, they become part of our lives and we have to rely on them. We begin to appreciate them when we experience them for ourselves. One of those simplistic, powerful laws, uh, natural laws, uh, is the law of Isaac Newton's law of motion. And that states this. A natural moving object cannot be stopped in its course of movement unless intervention takes place or until something in its path interrupts its process. That's the law of motion. Therefore, when we consider that law and its origin, we find that from the very first record giving to mankind of all that God began in the book of Genesis, we are told that God can ignore that law himself because he cannot be stopped. We find in the scripture 
that he is a God that continually moves forward. He doesn't stand still. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't fall asleep on the job when you're laying in bed at night worrying about the world and the stock market. The Bible says that God does not slumber. He doesn't worry about your problems. He doesn't one out, one, at one time never worries about our sickness. He doesn't worry about the things that we lay in bed and worry about. You'll find in the scripture in the beginning, God, he creates the heavens and earth. And the Bible says, the earth was without form and void. And the darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Bible went on to say, and the spirit of God moved and immediately we find in the Bible we see that God is a God of motion and a God of action. And by that moving energy of deity and light, God set into motion everything on this planet and in the surrounding planets that exist. From the revolutions of the planets and living organisms moving under the power of life that God gave everything including man. Acts 17 and 28 says, For in Him we live And we move and we have our being. He is a God of perpetual and continuous motion. He never sleeps. He's always awake. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere at every given moment of the day. David said, if I make my bed in hell, there he is. He wasn't bringing comfort that people died lost. What he was saying was if you went to the very depths in any problem, which is the pit of hell, you can't outrun the presence of God. He's omniscient or all-knowing. He's omnipotent, which means all-powerful. He has the power to raise up or the power to cast down. He has the power to heal or the power to kill or to save or condemn. And it seems as though that God can never be stopped by any futile means of mortal man. I think it's kind of funny that a world actually thinks that they can somehow manipulate the hand of God and they can also stop the move of God. I find it hilarious to me that they think that they can shut the doors of the churches and expect the move of God to stop. Can I tell you tonight that the devil, he may shut the doors of the church, but the church will always be the church because you can't stop a God that continually moves. Hear me, Satan can influence America into changing its stance on what's right or what's wrong. But Satan isn't doing one thing in our country about stopping the move of God. Can I tell you, the worse this place, the worse this world gets, the more revival is going to take place. Say, well, do you have any proof for that? Yes, I do. Where the Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Which tells me that every time the devil knocks you down, he gives you that much grace to get back up. And the more death means the more resurrections. And the more sickness is simple, more opportunity for God to heal. Hallelujah. Hear me. Satan is... Is, is 
he's, he's fighting a winning, a losing battle. My, my dad and I uh, grow up, grew up. My grandfather was a boxer. My father was a boxer. I love boxing. And he used to tell me, son, watch. He'll, you can tell when a man takes a dive. I've seen it slow motion picture. Now you can see it with all the, the great uh, footage they've got now. They can, it's, it, it, you know, they can see guys they're three or four inches from their chin and they fall over two or three uh, uh, minutes in the first or second round. That's called a fixed fight. That's what ruined boxing. And I hated that kind of fight because I don't like to see anybody fall when they don't have a choice. But can I tell you that this battle that is raging between God and man, it's a fixed fight. Oh, you got to hear me. It's a fixed fight. It's already been won. There, he has no other choice. He's going to bow. With the Bible, you know why I know? The Bible says that the Lamb was slain even before the, the foundations of this world. Before God even... Uh, uh, took a, the, the time to hang the sun, moon, and stars. He paused and said, you know what? I've got a battle to win. So he steps into the oracle of time and he hangs on a cross and he goes right back. God already has won your battle. He's not on the ropes. He's not being whipped by the devil. It's not as if we're sitting back going, who's going to win this battle? The battle's already been won. God can't be stopped. God can't be stopped. He leaves a trail of evidence to that. If you don't believe it, just ask Satan after God kicks him out of heaven when he had the pride in the spirit. The Bible says he fell as the speed of light. 186,000 miles per second. That jerk fell and hit the earth. You don't believe it? Ask Sodom and Gomorrah after they turned their back on God. And God said, I'm going to burn your playhouse down. If you don't believe it, just ask Pharaoh after he made up his mind. He said, I'm not letting your people go. And you can't do anything about it. God says, all right, I'm going to manipulate your heart. And I'm going to change your mind. And I'm going to take my people. And I'm going to drown your whole army in a Red Sea. God cannot be stopped. If you don't believe that, just ask the guards that stood by the walls of Jericho when they marched around and around. And on the seventh day, Jericho fell. Ask the giants in Canaan after God's people took what belonged to them and lived in houses they didn't build and eat them crops they didn't even sweat. (laughs) Ask the Philistine army. After they faced one man named Samson. Asked the prophets of Baal after fire fell from heaven. And consumed every single one of them. If you don't believe that ask Elisha. After he walks into a valley of dry bones. There's absolutely no hope. The stench of death was all around there. The man of God didn't even know. If God couldn't be stopped. When he asked him can these bones live. And the prophet said thou knowest. I have no clue. But God shows him he said I. I'm going to show you my potential. I cannot be stopped. I'm coming to my point here in a minute. But if you don't believe that, just ask the three Hebrew boys. When they walked into a fiery furnace that was seven times hotter, the ones that threw them in the fire died at the door. 
Did you hear what I said? The ones that threw them in the fire died at the door. Hear me. When you're in the middle of your flames and your pain, you shouldn't even have made it through the entryway of your trial. I thank God for every battle. I thank God for every bit of pain that I go through. Why? Because God's been gracious that I've even made it to my trial. Ask Daniel after God shuts the mouths of the lions. Ask Gideon after God just used 300 men to win an impossible battle. Ask Peter, James, and John after Jesus stood in the face of a raging ocean and an uncontrollable wind and said, peace be still. And the Bible didn't say there was a calm. The Bible said there was a great calm. I dare you ask the man after Jesus walked into a cemetery. The Bible said he had a legion of devils, which is 2,000 to 6,000 devils. He couldn't even answer his own question when Jesus said, what's your name? Then the devil took over and said, I'm legion, for I am many. And with 6,000 devils, that man ran out of a cemetery and dropped and worshipped Jesus. Jesus cannot, can't be stopped. He tried again when you ask Satan how he partied when he watches the bloody lamb try to pull a cross up Calvary's hill and he didn't even have the energy to do it. Satan, he's anticipating, I've got him now. He stopped now. We'll let somebody else carry his cross. He doesn't have the energy. He doesn't have the fortitude to get to his own death. He's trying to carry his own cross. And they drug him the rest of the way up the hill, nailed him to a cross. And he laughed and scorned him when he said it's finished. And the devil thought he had won because he stopped Jesus. And he thought he was finished because Jesus said he's finished. But what he didn't understand is when he put a lamb in a tomb three days later out walked a a lion can I tell you something today I don't care how bad or how rough you've got it right now but your situation is nothing compared to the God that you serve you can't be stopped you can't Dad said a while ago, the hardest thing I ever faced in my life. And Sister TJ understands, this is fresh in our mind when you lose a parent. And a lot of y'all understand what it's like to lose somebody. You feel so defeated. And you feel like you just, that, that the Lord didn't listen. And he didn't come. And he didn't come to the hospital. And he, he didn't show up. He, he was late. We had the same mentality that Mary and Martha had. If you would have been here. If you wouldn't allowed whatever was hurting you or stopping you, Jesus, you, you, you would have healed my mama. You would have healed my daddy. Grow frustrated. But what we don't understand is just like he said well ago. It didn't stop him. He actually, he actually really did heal my mama. And he actually really did heal your father. And he actually did heal your mama. 
and he actually did heal your son or your daughter just because he didn't do it like you think he should. Spend the whole time. Why didn't he come? Why didn't he? He got, he got stopped. He got stopped. Let me tell you why he didn't come when they thought he won. But you know why? Because he wanted them to know that he was a God beyond what they expect. And what they expected him to do, in their, in their words, they expected him to heal. And they knew he was a healer. But they didn't know that he was the resurrection and power. So he delays his coming and says, you know what? I want to be what you expect me to be. But I want to be more than what you expect me to be. So I'm going to allow your situation to die. And not just die. But you're going to allow that situation to be dead for four days. And by now it stinks. And they gave all hope upon him. But can I tell you that even though she didn't get up then he didn't get up then or your family member did wasn't healed then there is going to be a resurrection and this world cannot stop it cannot cannot stop it can I get to what I'm preaching that was that right whole thing was a commercial but I want to show you that there are some things that literally stop a God in his tracks. That men for years have tried to manipulate the hand of God. They've tried to stop it. They've tried to take the prayer out of schools. They've tried to take Ten Commandments off the courthouse lawn. They've tried to take uh, God out of homes. Continually wanting to stop him. There are some things when human need exceeds our faith and hope can altogether arrest the attention of Jesus Christ. When it seems that God is just passing by troubled and languishing lives, there are just some things that can absolutely bring God to a grinding halt. I don't know about you, but I'm desperate for a visitation of Jesus Christ. I need Jesus to stop by my house. Oh, oh, little Zacchaeus. Probably had the short man syndrome. We we cut trees. Dad and I, we cut trees for a living. Sycamore trees ordinarily don't have limbs at the bottom. They usually are very slick. And you're about 20 foot, foot up. Usually you'll find the first limb of a sycamore branch. And I wasn't there. I don't know. I didn't see the tree. But I do know this. That Zacchaeus wanted Jesus to stop. And he was so... Think about this. The kids climb trees. When's the last time you climbed a tree, Pastor? When you went hunting. Nah, you're the wrong guy. When's the last time you just went to climb a tree? I mean... Think about that desperation that it takes for some adult to climb a tree. He wanted Jesus, his attention, so he claws his way up the tree. I'm going to tell you what stops Jesus in his tracks is if you're desperate or not. I know it's not, that's not the most... 
complex thought. But when you are desperate. Moms and dads, you know the, the cry of your children? You know, you know the cry, the tonality of your children when their sister or their brother took their favorite toy. You can stand on the other side of the house and say to your spouse, Oh, that spoiled brat. He's all right. She's okay. You know the cry of a child when they are just are mad. They're throwing a temper tantrum. But you also know the cry. Brother Lang, you understand the cry of your children when they have fallen and there is something terribly wrong. All the something, all of a sudden, your attention is, 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 I mean, you're going towards it. And nothing's going to stop you from getting to your children. Let me tell you what the church needs in the last day is a cry to come out of the depths of our hearts. Was it David said, my, my shepherd knows my voice. He knows my cry. I cried night and day and he heard my voice and he said, I'm going to give to my children no matter the cost. Mark 10 and 46. Now, I really, I envy some of y'all's brains. I, really, I love it. I love the way you think. I, I, I love to visit with you and talk to you. Brilliant. I love it. And my mind always, I'm always asking questions. I'm always analyzing. Me and Brother Gil, we, we had these conversations. I just love it. But I got a scripture here that I wrestled and I tried and tried. I get this analytical thought from Dad. And uh, it keeps me up at night and it's frustrating. The scripture in Mark 10 it's not so complex when it comes to the, worded, the words and meaning of words. But it said, and when they came to Jericho. Talking about Jesus and his disciples. And when they came to Jericho. Semicolon. Then it says, and as they went out of Jericho. When I read that. I was like, what is, what is, why did he even take the time to say, and they went to Jericho, and as they went out of Jericho? Is, would anybody have that, other, that question other than me? The Bible says, and when they went to Jericho, and when they left Jericho, why in the world? There had to be a reason that Jesus went to Jericho. Matter of fact, Jesus did everything for a reason. He trudged through a storm to get to a, de- a guy full of the devil. He went through Samaria to get to a woman that needed him. He done everything on purpose. And I want to know why in the world that he went to Jericho. That question has kept me up at night, Brother Lang. It's driven me crazy. Your pastor just said it's a short trip. Remember fist bump, flu season. Right after that, the Bible says there was a blind man. And it hit me. 
Whatever Jesus was doing in Jericho, I'm sure was important. But it was irrelevant because there was a man in the very next sentence with a need. And God wouldn't be stopped. He didn't even take the time to tell you why he went to Jericho. When there is a need, all of a sudden, all the attention of heaven is right there. Can I tell you right now, if you want to stop God in his tracks... Everything else in the life of God is irrelevant. He'll stop to hear the cry of the voice of the church. It's time for the apostolic church to rise to his feet and say, Jesus, have mercy on me. I'm going to tell you what, the greater the need, the greater the cry. The more desperate you are, the more prayer you're going to put into it. The more desperation you have, the more you should dance to your feet. It's not time in this last day to sit down just because you have a problem. It's more of a reason why you should get up and dance. Preached all the way through my notes and didn't even have to look down through them. There's another thing I, 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 was think, I think of these things. Jesus, the woman with the issue of blood. I don't know why she waited 12 years before she found Jesus. I don't know if, if uh, you know, I, I know that Jesus' ministry was three, three and a half years. But the Bible says she spent everything. She, Jesus, uh, and hindsight's 2020, but she made Jesus her last resort. She spent all her, her money and her belongings she gave away. And the Bible says she didn't, uh, she didn't even stay the same. She grew worse. Doctors couldn't help her. So she's trying to be healed. For 12 years she had a blood problem. Dying slowly. Rejected by her family and her friends. She was an outcast. She was unclean. Stay away. She couldn't even go in the temple. She was, a, she was just people just, uh, they knew she was coming. She was the talk of the town. She was the weak one. She uh, just keep, keep her down. And when she finds out that Jesus is grow, go, coming to town, she's conjuring up every bit of energy she can just to get to Jesus. And this is what baffles me. There were hundreds if not thousands trying to touch Jesus. Pushing him all around. Knocking him around. And the Bible didn't even say she touched him. She said if I can only just touch the hem of his garment. Here he is knocked to and fro. And she touches the hem of his garment. And it's been preached and preached and preached. And Jesus stood still. And he has the audacity to ask a loaded question. Who touched me? What do you mean? Who touched you? There are hundreds of people touching you, Jesus. There are a hundred people wanting something from you, Jesus. There are many people around you wanting your attention. And you're going to ask us, who touched you? Let me ask you, what made Jesus stop? I'll tell you what it was. It was an attitude and a sense of desperation and a woman that was willing to do whatever it took to get to Jesus. Jesus stops in his track. This is the same God that couldn't be stopped all the way since the beginning of time and through, through the New Old Testament and through the New Testament. He couldn't be stopped, but he stops. He sensed the desperation. He said, you know what? 
This is worth stopping for. Here's the problem like a lot of times. We have a problem thinking that we are worthy enough for him to stop for us. We, 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 a lot of people I see and in pastor and I, their problem, it's not sin problems. It's, 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 it's not, uh, uh, it's, it's, or yeah, it's insecurity. It's not, it's not anything else, but they have a lost self-worth. I've seen so many people that lose, lose their callings and their gifting or, or they're, they're held captive in their, in their own minds simply based on whether they're worthy or not. Remember that feeling thing we was talking about? I feel, I feel, feel unworthy. I feel broken. I feel defeated. I, I don't feel good enough. Jesus tells the parable of the woman with the lost coin. He said, look, I want to bless you. But you've lost your coin. I've heard it preached many ways, but the way I see it, the way I look at it, is that coin represented her worth. And she lost her self-worth. She lost her coin. So she builds, she became a hoarder. Her place became cluttered. She began to build herself in. And Jesus couldn't get to her because she locked him out and locked everything else out. Because she didn't feel worthy. And the Bible says, he said, you want to fi- find your self-worth? Go home and get all the junk out of your house and clean it up and sweep it out. Oh, I... Look, I don't normally admit that I watch a TV show. But I watched a show called The Borders. Have you ever seen that? Oh my goodness, it's horrible. But I saw something. I, I, I got about three episodes into it and I'm thinking, man, this is a waste of my time. What am I doing watching this? But I, I heard all of them say, say something. And they all had something in common. Every single one of those people said, I lost my self-worth. And they cluttered their house. And how they lost their self-worth is they gave up on themselves and they gave up on God. They had some kind of loss in their, in their life. Somebody died. They lost a spouse. They, they got divorced. They lost a child to death. And, and so they began to be depressed and they locked themselves in. They, and, and just like the woman that needed to sweep her house, these people had put, their, put themselves in their house and they built their own kingdom within their walls and they hid. And the reason why God can't move on our behalf sometimes is simply because, not because we don't have faith in God, but we have law of, we, we've lost our faith in what we are called to be and who we are. And God is trying to say, look, you're worth it. I can't move in your life unless you find your self-worth. And God wants to get you. If that woman with the issue of blood wouldn't have had any worth, she would have went home, laid down in her house, and she would have died. But somewhere in her weak moment, she said, I'm worth something. So I'll sacrifice myself and I'll claw my way and I'll do whatever I have to do to get to Jesus. You want Jesus to move in your life? You've got to get so desperate. The Bible says that Bartimaeus, sadly we call him blind Bartimaeus. 
Old Bartimaeus been blind his whole life. The first time he cried out, people tried to silence him. Let me tell you what. He had to be so desperate to shut out the negative voices in his life. So many times we let negative voices and the junk people in our life dictate our future. And if you want, and if we want a move of God, what we have got to do is stop letting people dictate our past, our present, and our future. Talk about desperate people that wanted a move of God. Think about this. I think the most desperate person in all the scripture. That is, I find it a little funny to me. Think, imagine being so desperate and needing a move from God that you go rip the roof off of a church. You know what? Our, you, you know what we would normally do? We'll wait till after church. We know God will move on our behalf, and what we'll do is we'll wait on Him for a better. A time, and we'll show up next Sunday. Next, next week will be a better time to get baptized. Next week will be a better time to get our healing. We assume that God can move, but we don't believe He can move right now. So, but I love, I love the mentality of the man that said, My legs aren't working. Somebody with some, some kind of common sense said, Well, We'll get him at the back door when he tries to leave. And the man said, no, I need a move of God right now. And I'm so desperate that I'm willing to rip the shingles off of this place so I can have a move of God in my life. Guess what? That man danced off of his bed. His dead legs came alive again simply because he was desperate for a move of God. Desperation moves God. Jesus. Desperation moves God. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you another question too while you're standing. How many of you need, I'm going to put you on the spot. How many of you need a move of God right now? I know, I know we all need God, but how many of you are facing situations that are absolutely impossible? With a doctor, with a lawyer, with, with whoever you're, you're, you're dealing with. How many of you are desperate need a situation dealt with? Well, I'm going to put you on. Keep your hand up. What are you willing to do? How loud are you willing to shout? How desperate are you to dance before God? Or shout before God? Or claw your way to get to the presence of God? I don't see anybody stopping you from running to an altar. But hear me. I'm going to tell you what happens. What, What happens right now. Our flesh gets in our way. And we say, well, let somebody else get a blessing. God can deal with every situation in here right now at the same time. You don't have to stand in line for Jesus. He's ambidextrous. He can write with the right hand and he can heal with the left. 
He can raise the dead with the left. And he can take somebody out of drug addiction with the right hand. He cannot be stopped. Hallelujah. God hears the cries of his people. I said God hears the cries of his people. I wonder if all over this place you could begin to lift your voice uh, up and cry out to Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you more than anything. I need you more than my next breath. I need you more than anything. He can't be stopped, but he will stop for you. I said he cannot be stopped, but he'll stop for you. All over this place, let's begin to worship the Lord. Let's begin to cry out to him.